everybody, welcome back to the Jolar cast. Um, you're joining me again in a new year and a new decade, 2020. Um, since it's just after the holidays, I hope you guys had an awesome Christmas and New Year um, with your friends or family, whatever you were doing. And of course, if you're back to work, um, I hope you're enjoying whatever you're working on at the moment, the project you're working on. Um, here in Digital Artcast, we've had a couple of really inspirational artists come on and some people that I've definitely had um, on a list that I've wanted to talk to for a long, long time. And luckily, um, the artist that we're speaking today, I bumped into in LA at Lightbox Expo. Um, and he agreed to come on after we had some kind of scheduling conflicts and freeing up some time. So today we are speaking to one of my big inspirations in art, uh, Mr. Scott Campbell. What's happening, Scott? Hello. Nothing much. I'm excited to chat back today. Again. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, you guys who are listening on your end won't realize that we've been through um, a hella setup trying to get this organized because uh, the... The software we use was was for some reason just playing up. So Scott's been in and out of the conversation five or six times trying to get it to work. So thank Love you for it. being patient, Scott. I appreciate that. Okay, um, I'm excited. Now I can have the most wonderful intro remarks. I, I, I'm ready yes. to go. Of course, of course. Um, and then, yeah, again, we were talking about the distinction between uh, you being Scott Campbell and other artists. There are other artists who are also Scott Campbell. Um, <laughs> and also about how you dreamed about having a, a show between all four of you. Um, exhibiting your work at one time yeah that would be, be there would be a tattoo guy there would be a gig poster guy there would be the uh um sexy comic Mar- book marvel guy. comic guy yeah, yeah. and then there'd be my yeah. little, little cute things yeah but uh, that was one of your original inspirations was like you wanted to go and draw like x-men when you studied at school that was kind of like your your true. first kind of major inspiration it's true yeah. that was what and, that's why I, I went when i was in college that's what i wanted to do i wanted to draw x-men um and yes. I, I came close to doing it but um completely changed directions and it's good because there a different scott campbell um slipped into that slot so it's fine yes of course you, did you have your too. own distinction yeah you you, disco- you discovered stinky cheese man and then everything changed in your life true stinky cheese man changed things for me <laughs> it was a pivotal moment in your career it was um i think it's one of the main thing i think that i love about your work is the fact that um you know, you look at traditional concept art or stuff that is in studios at the moment, especially maybe on the AAA range. Um, but then your art has this very, very distinctive feel that is, um, you know, it's nothing that you'll see in kind of mainstream concept art. It's something that has its own voice. And I think you've kind of talked about this where, you know, Tim Schaefer typically would go and pick artists he feels that, are very detached from the industry and have their own unique voice, especially when I think a lot of people, you know, have followed them since the whole uh, Double Fine Adventure, which became Broken Age. But, you know, front and center for that, he wanted Nathan, you know, uh, Stapley's art, he wanted his art to be the storytelling mechanic for that game, um, yeah. which I think is something that's rare in the industry, especially at, yeah. you know, the top level of games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and is that something you felt like, has defined you over the years do you find do you feel like that's been a great kind of path for you that's that's made you find these opportunities because of your style um yeah but I, I guess it's also just um who who I surround myself with I mean part of the reason why my style kind of developed into that way is because of the people I met mm-hmm. in in my at university and afterwards and stuff and mm-hmm. being exposed to other types of comics and other ways of drawing and painting and it kind of opened up my eyes to other things you know which is what for me, kind of what college is all about, being exposed to other things besides learning the technique yeah. and things like that. Like, um, but also, yeah, I mean, it like 
and and also like the opportunity to work with Tim, like he was like somebody that like the visual style of his games always like he determined by like kind of what the story was. I mean, like, like uh, the day of the dead for Grim Fandango, like kind of seeing 3d as like using it for what you can, I mean, using it for strong suits and like making little puppets and toys. Um, That's why that one was so effective. So like doing, doing psychonauts in that style was something that like, it just kind of worked uh, as a happy, happy, uh, happy combination and we both had the same sort yeah, of humor nice so it was fun to like kind of try to be funny together and come up with humorous uh visual gags and uh yeah i think it's also like probably comedy inspires a lot of your art right like you talked about how especially when you were in new york um because i think you're back in san fran now right you're back you're back in the la side uh, of the world I'm in LA. yeah you moved i back. moved to la i've never lived in la yeah. but i just moved there here a couple of years ago so right cool um but yeah you were saying even when you were in new york like you were quite into the comedy scene and obviously tim is like a huge comedy writer so do you feel like that's something that has inspired your art over the years like comedy in itself yes definitely i mean i feel like that was a big turning point for my art um was being in that like art collective in san francisco and having art shows and things like kind of when i started kind of drifting away from just figurative and kind of realistic painting and things like in into funny style i realized that like that was kind of what i wanted to do with my art more so is just do things that made people happy and like people can like laugh at and come up with their own stories with like that was the most wonderful uh experience for me to see from people for you know when people kind of enjoy my stuff on that level that was i felt like that was my strength yeah. a little bit more and that was also what i enjoyed doing so that's why my my uh, yeah. and then like a, a trip to japan in 2000 also kind of made my things extra cute so it was like the combination of those two oh, things yeah. kind of <laughs> developed out of those i suppose but i've always nice. humor has always been a big yeah, part J- of my life yeah japan's like it's definitely on the bucket list for me i've still to try and go over that side of the world but um i'm definitely like i have to yeah. it's just one of these things yeah, that's like definitely has to happen at one point but uh yeah also because i remember watching uh tim talk about kind of how he was introduced to you and it was more through uh, i think a show you done at the time where you had a bunch of illustrations that were like awkward situations like or awkward conversations between people and i thought that was just like hilarious it was just a great like theme to have a show behind but also just something that made you probably really creative in the time thinking well what would be a really awkward situation what would inspire me to draw these little portraits of people having these awkward moments um and then you've kind of done the same thing where like even talk about working with gallery 1988 where like the pop culture stuff you do like you know like the the whole like spider-man's using venom as a slide like the whole you know set of things you've got there illustration wise they're also based on themes and comedy themes and um and is that definitely something now you enjoy doing more is like showing in galleries and doing freelance stuff as opposed to because you spent so long in the games industry in california working on these games is this something that you think is more like what you are looking to do more towards is be more expressive in these shows than come back to the games? I go back games. and forth. I mean, I have, I'm not showing in galleries as much as I used to. I felt like that was kind of, it was when I was younger and I had a lot more energy. Like I was tackling all these things at once, doing designing for video games, doing comics and doing art shows. And those kind of helped fuel, they were kind of breaks from each other. And they also kind of fueled each other, like yeah. the energy and everything. But I remember even like the beginning days of, of those, having those art shows in, in San Francisco, like, um, that did kind of help me kind of get into the whole uh, like designing for games and coming up with concepts in general. 
for any of my projects. But because yeah. that that specific one that Tim was at was like the theme of that show we was was tongue tied. Like that was the name of the show. So everyone's artwork had to deal with that theme. Okay. So it was like, and and then that right. piece was just like I think it was like a hundred little like um like inch by inch squares drawn on various pieces of paper of tongue, of mm-hmm. moments when characters were tongue tied, like they didn't know what to say. Um, and, and yeah. like one of those, what makes that kind of fun for me or coming up with the Spider-Man concepts is like coming up with a lot of concepts, like, like thinking of a theme and then mm-hmm. like developing like a, a whole bunch of just like non, like real stream of consciousness coming up with ideas. So the ideas themselves aren't as precious. So you're kind of like, you're not putting so much like, um, weight onto these ideas being good which means you don't have to worry about like mm. them you never have to worry about them being good and if you generate a lot of these ideas yeah. sometimes you get to like idea number 81 or something and then that's a good one or something it's like it takes the pressure off you know which is kind of yeah uh, it's good for designing for video games that's good you know coming up with concepts it's good for doing stuff for picture books and you know stuff for art shows and stuff but kind of mm. any anything to take the pressure off because getting started is very difficult sometimes yeah the blank piece of paper is always like the biggest thing for me and i think for a lot of students i've met where the initial just getting started is always the hardest part because once you're in the flow you tend to you know turn out like at least like 100 drawings but the first like three are like the hardest to get by because then it's, it's the same i think when you write for comedy right i have friends who do um some stand-up stuff and they were saying that when they write like they would just do this kind yeah. of word vomit thing. I think yeah. Tim's also done a version of it when I've watched him is that you just write straight for like two minutes and just anything that comes into your head, you just put it on paper and then you will find something within that. That's like, Oh, that could probably work or that would probably yeah. generate something. You're just, so, starting, up your, you're um, just starting up your brain, yeah, like a motor, you know, you're just trying to make it go any direction. And then you feel like, okay, now that I'm writing it, I can kind of guide and guide it into different garages and tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. And then, that's been something that you probably has helped you through just working with other artists like Nathan and Lee and, and Peter, like they've all kind of maybe done similar things that you've, you've warmed up with or ideas that I've, I've generated. And um, like, even I remember one of my favorite episodes of the, the whole double fine adventure was walking around mm-hmm. in our drawings. It was like, when you guys had the art jam from the first kind of one you done where you're all just sitting around the table and painting and stuff and letting ideas just like flow at your head. And you can just see those moments where Tim's like, just watching you guys just work and he's like oh my god this is so incredible like it was these mm-hmm. little life rafts that you guys made that you could cling on to that would help him kind of visualize always, what he was thinking about production is um, all of, it's all of our favorite time forever because it's like that's when you could dream big and there's yeah. nothing holding you back and like the further you get yeah. into production is when you have to start cutting things and start putting things together and like that's the challenge and that could be fun too but you're like oh man you're dreaming all those little dreams and you have a huge pile of these things that could mm-hmm. lead to all kinds of places that's definitely my favorite. Yeah. And I take it that's probably one of been the, the best things about working with Tim is that he is very appreciative of artists. Like he has this real appreciation for people's artwork and putting that front and center and letting you guys be like as free and creative as because he's an artist himself, obviously. He's a writer. So like but then um and a programmer, but then you know, he has these things where he's always like people's art and thought, you know, this is really important because they've spent you right. know, they put so much of their self or you do put so much of yourself into your art that he didn't want that to be like it was just another drawing he's like no this is scott's drawing this is really important because scott drew this so um like even the time when like i think nathan had like ripped one of the, the drawings up and put yeah. it in the trash and he was like picking it out of the trash because he was like, like no this me, is amazing I, I think like early so, on when we started working together he would tell me he's like hey you're not allowed to throw any drawings out like we're going to keep every 
doodle because like Peter would throw away stuff and he would always get mad at him. He's like, we just need to have them all. I'm like, Oh God. So he kind of got me into this pack rat vibe where now I hang on to all my drawings and I really probably need to purge some of them. But like he got me into that and like (laughs) bagel Nathan is like um, the opposite of that. Like he's so like, (laughs) he like is is so self deprecating on his own stuff that he'll just, he'll repaint stuff over and over again Uh, over the old paintings. And he's like, dude, like, you look at one of his paintings, you right. know there's a series of eight or nine wonderful paintings under that painting, you know? Behind it. it was, oh, such a shame. It's, it's going to be, uh, uh, yeah, it's hard for him because, like, you're always your own worst critic, right? You can't be, you know, like, oh, my, this is amazing. You're always like, oh, it could be better. It could be. But, yeah, and I get that feeling from Nathan that he's, like, he's very, like, oh, totally. he has that perfectionist thing yeah. almost too much where he's just, yeah. But, yeah. but the Nathan stuff's incredible. Like, in, a lot, the stuff he done for Double Fine was one thing, but then there's even a little snippet in that episode where he shows, like, Nathan's, you know, paintings or drawings he's done in shows. Like, that one where it was, like, a bunch of dads, mm-hmm. like, all mm-hmm. these dads mm-hmm. and, like, a painting. Um, like, some of that stuff is, like, yeah. so creative and so incredible, yeah. and even just well-rendered. Um, he has incredible yeah, raw talent. Yeah, he was our first uh, texture artist that we hired at Double Fine for Psychonauts. He was the first, like, because he was at Lucas with us. Right. And he was the first person because he was just, like, so naturally gifted with color and shapes and all that stuff. So, yeah. So cool. Like, even the little story I think he made initially about the bear and oh, yeah. the, the, lumberjack. the lumberjack. Like, he had to, that, that was, like, so cool as well. That was just, yeah. that could have been a game in itself. Like, it was so <laughs> yeah. well done. Um, but yeah, like these little ideas that just sprout his head. It's like they're so incredible. Um, but then, of course, that stuff is great for you also because then you, you feed off that like any other artist. You take like parts of his work into yours. And because um, most artists, I think, are collective um, consciousness of other people. So you will, like for me, and sp- especially, like I'll look at other people's work and say, I love that little part of that person's work. So I'll take that and add that, mm-hmm. or that color palette, or that anatomy, or that mm-hmm. dynamic posing. Um, but then it's it's a great thing I think to have these people around you. I kind of I feel jealous of it being in Scotland. Like again, we were talking about this earlier that Scotland's a great little country, but there's not a huge art community through here, especially when it comes to entertainment design, so stuff from maybe games or film or or whatever. Um, I think there's more a comic book vibe because there are some really good comic artists here um, that have worked with like 2000 AD okay. or Marvel or DC. Um, but then the other stuff is is is, is few and far between yeah. so well, i mean you, yeah, that, but so, that's why i mean yeah. internet is great yeah. for that i mean I, i'm constantly finding things on i mean i'm on instagram all the time so i'm constantly finding new artists that i'm get obsessed yeah. with and i certainly don't live near any of them i have like my little community of, of uh, kids book um illustrators that i meet up with every once in a while and as much as possible here in la mm. but like a lot of my big buddies and inspirations are in different towns so and we're back uh sorry about that guys we had a, a technical difficulty so we had to uh resume from where we left off but uh yeah we were talking about um the whole art community and people being near you um you were saying you know that people are you know depending on where city you in are relatively near you and you have a kind of close group of friends that are more uh, children's book illustrators but um it's weird for me i think because there's only so much stuff you can do online where mm-hmm. I still miss that physical element. Like I'm a very, oh, yeah. like I kind of, I feed off people's energy in a, a sense where I need to be around creative people. So I find it hard or harder trying to interact with people online and, and still get that same yeah energy. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, um, I feel like there's so many, I mean, aren't there, uh, uh, there are artists in your town that you could like meet up with. Like, do you have like little group, like 
could you start what what is that what is that group called the online thing where you can have like set up groups to meet up meet up oh the meet up yeah there's a meet up app we have some of the stuff over here but it's more um which i mean it would be fine as well but it tends to be more hobbyist so it's people who mm. are pursuing the, the art for something you know it's like a, a thing they do outside of their normal job that isn't their job right. Um, and I think it's different when you meet people who are doing it as a career because the conversation shifts slightly on techniques and things you're doing because it's more relevant to right, the right. thing you're doing with your career. So, it, it's, I mean, like, I know I have artist friends who are non-industry artists, um, which is fine because, you know, it's great to be able to, like, I have a SketchUp group I meet up with, uh, funnel enough, I meet up with tomorrow. Every Saturday we try to get together and go to the National Museum in Scotland, which is free. Mm-hmm to go into so we go in and we sketch you know like trains and planes and dinosaurs and that kind of stuff um so that's been really good to just and then we have lunch and we chat and make a kind of whole day of it which is great um but yeah it's 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 harder to replicate that stuff online um although it does exist i think i'm what i'm trying to do now is get any more uh meetups online using like google hangouts and stuff or discord um and meeting with other people who are like trying to get in the industry or in the industry and they do like little hangouts at night and, and talk amongst well they're working on stuff on their computer they just you know sit with their microphone on and right. and chat to people so i'm trying to do more of that because yeah yeah i just need a good conversation i do day. like that but like that's something i do like about watching people paint and stuff is being feeling like you're sharing a studio with those guys yeah like, I, I would love to do that yeah. just have a collective where it's like you just have this almost artist residency you can all kind of live in like the one place and yeah you know contribute so um, would, but that gets harder as you get older because you have families and stuff so true true but but also but i mean i mean to physically hang out but then but having online hangouts is probably better when you have a family because you, you could find moments to like just steal away and be at your house and do it. Yeah. i would think oh no i don't yeah, yeah it depends so you had this amazing career where you worked on uh multiple games for well you obviously started with lucas learning that was one of your first gigs or jobs that you had um and then obviously moving over to double fine and then it was a huge part of your career also um you've also done stuff i think that is lesser known where you've done like you said these art shows or, or collaborations with people i mean i know there was one point you were doing like a poster for Rick and bad for one of the finales um oh, right. where is your where's your career kind of career when in the last maybe five years you know maybe since you've left double fine or you know you've done and moved on and done more freelance stuff um What's been your kind of your main focus the last kind of half decade? Well, the main focus was something actually. The other thing that I went to art school for, in addition to doing comics, was picture books for children. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually it's taken me this long to actually start getting into that. So the past eight years or or so, uh, mm-hmm. I've been illustrating and writing picture books for kids. Um, so that's kind of my main uh, income. But aside from mm-hmm. uh, working with Double Fine here and there and, and doing art shows and Mm-hmm. You know, selling prints in my shop and things like that. Like that's kind of my major focus. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of like where I'm kind of mm-hmm. going towards a little bit more. You know, a little bit less on like right. calories and things. So, right. That's right. Yeah, and then is that is that process, or or is that industry more? Um, I don't know. Is it more suited to your style or your or more your more artistic approach? Do you feel like you're more at home with those well, with those tasks than like working on AAA games or you know doing art shows for galleries? I think the only difference, I mean, like I'm being able to kind of like work with having it be a smaller team, which is me and the art director and the editor, like being in, in right. complete control of kind of like what you're putting out and, and everything, like. Like yeah. there's something that like it's it is much more difficult um, to work with a much larger team of like 
whatever, mm-hmm. 70 people or 80 people to try to like come together to create this experience, whether it's like on a movie or like cartoon or video mm-hmm. game and stuff, which is like incredibly satisfying because like all everyone's um, talented in their own way and it's, it's fun to bounce ideas off and stuff like that. So it's a little bit lonelier, but it yeah. also is like you're more in control of what, what's, what uh, the, the output is and everything. So I like, I mean, I mean, and, and actually the back, my background in games kind of helped me a little bit uh, once I got into the picture books. Cause uh, again, I'm like not as married to ideas as much. I'm not like, bummed out when the, the editor is like let me change this or this isn't working or whatever i'm, like, I'm so right. eager to yeah. like make it good i'm so eager to have um other people come at it with different ways of thinking about the audience and helping me like make something be more accessible yeah. and enjoyable for everyone because i would love everyone to enjoy my stuff i wouldn't just like a little cult group of people to like who an obscure group of people that are fans of this one thing or something like that like it'd be nice mm. to be able to have everyone enjoy it you know so so yeah, I love I love doing yeah. picture books, and it's a fun because there's so much you could do with uh, different worlds and and uh, you know and how kids think about things and how kids play and like it's a huge inspiration to me like uh, to create worlds that um, I like to exist in and they like to exist in together because they're mm. I mean I don't know kids' ideas are very inspiring to me in general. Yeah, I think definitely there's that whole like kids, especially when it comes to generating ideas, have this infinite energy for just making yeah. up things. So, yeah, if you can feed off any of that, it will make your art even more mm-hmm. rare. Um, there's been so many people I think I've seen recently who have done the whole Instagram thing where, like, they turn their kids' pictures into actual mm-hmm. illustrations, yeah. and it's been like a tr- like a trend online because I think even that generation of ideas is something they're like, wow, I'd never think of that yeah. and making that into something that's more production ready but then yeah it's, i think kids are great for that they just even the simplest stuff like uh, a kid challenging his dad to make like spaceships out of shampoo balls like it's stuff you would just never think about but then kids are so creative that way it just it's kind of yeah. in the same way that so you're then kind of like yeah trying to you know learn to develop your own style or whatever you're kind of looking at masters and other artists that you yeah. like and trying to emulate the things that you like about them and learning from drawing what they draw yeah. and like kind of it's almost like reverse engineering it when you look at like children's illustrations and stuff when you see like how they think and you're actually for those people redrawing mm. and repainting a kid's drawing like i'm hope I, I would think that you're under you're looking at like wow these ideas and shapes are something i would never think of but you're kind of seeing like how their stream consciousness works which i think is a wonderful thing about like watching kids work yeah there's a there's a really good book. Um, I think even just to talk to adults in general, it's a great book to read, but it's it's called How to Speak or How to Talk So Kids Will yeah. Listen. Um, and it's it's a whole book about just trying to understand the psyche of children and how they think. Cool. And it's interesting because it teaches you how to just interact with kids in a way that treats them like like little people. Like they're not kids, they're just totally. undeveloped, you know, yeah. human beings. So when they have ideas, you know, generally back when I was a kid or when people were kids that, you know, if you said something silly or something funny, your mom and dad would be like, oh, you know, that's just like silly talk because you're a kid. But then if, if the adults actually take the time and be like, oh, but what are you actually mm-hmm. talking about? And where did that idea come from? Like you can delve into like their way of thinking more clearly because you're not treating it as like a throwaway idea because they're kids. Yeah. You're like, oh no, well maybe they actually yeah. have something. If they're like kind of so, like untainted little geniuses, yeah. like like an actual grown up genius is maybe yeah. sometimes hard to understand and talk to, and you're kind of trying to like feed off of like their incredible ideas. Of course, and then like, but a child is like also just going bonkers and just like listening and crowling is like yeah. You know. I think because kids are so brutally honest, they're just so 
straightforward and shooting with their ideas. They don't really hold anything back, thinking that, oh, maybe that's going to be a bit socially awkward or that might not fit any of the narrative. They're just like, oh, this is really cool. I think this would be an awesome idea. You're like, oh, that probably is an yeah. awesome idea. So, yeah, I can definitely see the appeal of working with kids more than than doing the whole, you know, the AAA slog or designing for whatever. It's fun whatever. thinking of peers, um, for sure, because, like, the, uh, like, cartoons, I think that some of the most successful cartoons are the ones that don't speak down to the kids. You know, something, like, something I could... Like Adventure Time is like an incredibly popular show because you you have you have like the wild just like straight like ideas that a kid would kid world would have and then like other things for like adults to it's like like that's just my fantasy to create something that is like everybody from children all the way up to like adults and can enjoy the time together. So well Pendleton had a, a kind of like when lightning strikes kind of idea there where the it did speak to all ages, like there was no real barrier of entry for that cartoon like everybody like i know guys still in their okay. late 20s who still watch that you know because it's just it's super inspiring even just the worlds he created and you know like even his style of drawing like the way he drew things it was it was not maybe like you know like perfect anatomy and super realistic proportions it was more just about getting the idea across mm-hmm. and the story um rather than focusing on like the yeah. art um but like it's like yeah like his stuff was incredible and then he had that whole thing where he like would come by the studio and contribute to the ball fine yeah. as well because Tim's obviously yeah, a fan yeah. of him as well. So, um, yeah, like such a and those worlds are great to create because, like you said, it, it's it's sometimes things you would think about. Oh, I never thought about this like bubblegum princess world or okay, like this whole yeah. thing. Like, but these are just generation ideas that are you know. Well, that was like great, the thing so. too with uh, with Stinky Cheese Man for me. Like that's why that was such a turning point book. Like, that picture book. Like I forget when it came out, but like because that was the one of the first times with picture books that I was like, oh my god, this is like fully speaking to everyone. It's not like just speaking to adults, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to say these funny real fart jokes for kids. And then I'm going to do these pop culture jokes for which, which for the adults, like it's like two separate kind of paths, which not to talk down about Shrek or anything, but that's kind of like the vibe of Shrek a little bit more like, um, whereas like, you know, you have two different paths of humor, you know, that people are enjoying rather than something that everyone is enjoying together. Like, speaking to kids as, as peers and being able to like joke around like that. That's just like a revelation to me when I read that quote. So. Yeah. Cause some of the, the weirder stuff I think is when you watch things as a kid, but then as you re- revisit them as an adult, you're like, Oh, okay. There's stuff in there that I didn't get the first time around because I didn't mm-hmm. understand what they're talking about. But um, when you separate that humor into two levels, then it's hard for everybody. And I mean, I know pe- things can be specifically aimed at, one certain group and it doesn't have to be for everybody but i think like you said that's where some of the more successful either comic books or cartoons have been mm-hmm. you know timeless like i mean one of my favorite shows is uh, mm-hmm. avatar the last airbender and that show to me speaks to mm-hmm. everyone have you I've never seen it I've heard a lot of- oh my god oh wow well, some of the guys who were showrunners on nickelodeon for many many years um they run i think the last thing they worked on before avatar was mm-hmm. invader zim which is also an incredible cartoon. But yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender is all about uh, a kid who embodies this avatar. It's like a cycle, a life cycle. Every However many years he lives for, every time he dies, the cycle is reborn in another generation, in another element, either water, fire, earth, or... or uh, um, I forget the last one, the element, but I'm not talking about... But yeah, but basically the whole show, because obviously he's, he's, he's raised by monks, it's like there's a lot of life lessons in like treating people fairly and friendship and war and conflict but there's like a mix of children's Mm -hmm. themes and adult themes in the whole series um and there's just a lot of good storytelling and i think that's why it was so successful and it's timeless because 
it covered so many hmm. different topics um you know from like because he's 13 during the whole experience but it has to stop an entire war fleet from like mm-hmm. ruining the earth basically because the fire nation are like the bad people and he's from the air tribe the air nomads so like he's trying to bring peace but then he's a 13 year old kid so there's a lot of situations where he's just being a teenager and a young kid but then there's series events where like he almost has to kill people or like stop whole fleets by destroying them and using his powers but then he feels bad about it so there's a whole hmm. system in there that's like just crazy to oh, watch um yeah a yeah, man, definitely. A lot of the guys who worked on that are now working on a series called Dragon Prince for Netflix. Um, and that's also a really, really good okay. show to watch. So, um, But yeah, the, the stuff is the stuff that's timeless is definitely one that is more successful and yeah. speaks to more people. Because um, then when you probably read Sinky Cheese, man, you were an adult. You weren't nah, reading yeah. that as a kid, right? So, yeah, yeah. And then those things that you're doing now with the children's books, is that something that you find is also helping um, like if you're working on, on game art sporadically, if you're doing contract work, mm-hmm. is that feeding back into that discipline? Is that something that's yeah, helping definitely. also that grow definitely. as well? Yeah, it's something that like like breaking things down, break um, for the, simplifying the stories and stuff. But like uh, and trying to figure out what in in the the copy and the words, like what what part of the story that you could tell uh, with words to complement or, or with with mm-hmm. pictures to complement the words. I feel like that's kind of one of the more satisfying things about illustration book illustrations like how to have those experiences so right. it's something that like thinking about that with uh with games is also good too like trying to think about that with like um how you design the characters and how you kind of tell stories with what the character shapes are and that's all stuff that i get very excited about right. so and then but then i also have yeah i'm sorry go ahead is that no no i was gonna say oh, well, I, I guess yeah. like the other thing that i'm that i do uh work on like I, I do still do uh i mean paintings for shows and things but i still have this series that i do called the great mm. showdowns which is like um just based on like pop on, oh, yeah. on films like uh just moments of tension between characters but it's that's also a fun thing because it's like a ways of, of taking recognizable characters and just really breaking them down and simplifying them into very simple shapes and you can kind of maybe feel the personality yeah. that each of the, uh each of those those people have like boil them like Boiling them down to that simplicity is like a very fun activity for me, and using using those shapes and that the, the jankiness the, with those guys, but still like sturdy little characters like that also helps me with uh, designing characters and things for games and books. They all help. Yeah, I think it's just taking familiar situations and putting them in unfamiliar settings. I think uh-huh. that sometimes can be a great way to inspire a new yeah. look on something. You know, I think. Simon Pegg, who was obviously a great uh, comedian over here who made a lot of great films like yeah. Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, but they were a lot of films that were taking that genre of like, you know, The Walking Dead or, you know, like Bad Boys, but putting it in like an English setting where, you know, like, yeah, nothing right. ever happens. So they, that, that juxtap- juxtaposition is something that always feeds off people's imagination or even you know like the guys who done October last year who I think he did a couple of years ago actually where he took like the first letter of every film out of the the word and made an illustration based on that so like obocop instead of robocop mm-hmm. so it's like a cop with a, you know a, a cop yeah, with a hobo and stuff like that so it, these small ideas yeah they're great things to think about and, and they definitely generate ideas oh. where you wouldn't really think of like your awkward conversations or like your pop culture stuff you know putting things in different situations and, and seeing how that plays out like you, you know, like you said using venom as a slide yeah. and, and stuff like that so um yeah so 
you're doing more freelance stuff now and you're working out just your home and, and wherever you've moved to in, in California, more in LA, like I said, you're in the city now. Um, you're probably doing stuff, I mean, you can't really talk to it, but then you, you're working again, I think, on uh, Psychonauts too, right? You're part uh, of yeah, very again. small part though. I mean, I was, I was doing a lot of the character design, so I haven't right. been like once that was done, I haven't been working with them as much. I, I'm doing some things here and there for them, like maybe some drawers and things. Right. But uh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But then is is that uh, something that you're excited oh, about? Yeah. Is even just a fan, like to see how Psychonauts I mean, Two is going to come out? And yeah, because that was like a big part of your life. Yeah, initially. I mean, that was like it, I felt like yeah, that came out in 2005. So I feel like after that, coming out with Brutal Legend, Broken Age, and all these other games and other books and things like that i feel like going back mm-hmm. after what you know all the things i've learned about life and drawing and painting and yeah. stuff like coming back to revisit that old world was yeah. so fun it's it was something we always wished we could yeah. do but like it was something that tim and i always talk about mm-hmm. doing but like it was like fun to actually go back there yeah. and like and revisit like those characters and think about how to further go past it and think about other characters in the world and relatives and yep. family and friends that like it's very it's very it was very very fun to go back and turn it on yeah because it's one of those things where the whole acrobatic family was like a, yeah. a very central theme that wasn't visited too much in the first game because mm-hmm. it was more about the camp and all these kids but um but then of course that's now something of course there's very little detail still but like that's something you will be revisiting in the new game where you're going to be meeting those parts of his life or they'll be more interwoven Mm -hmm. within the story this time um so that's yeah i mean like it's interesting as well where um this sounds like probably a really horrible thing where i actually haven't played the first psychonauts game um yeah i know i know and it needs to be solved at one point i really i have it in my steam library and it needs to be played um i have watched extensive playthroughs and i have seen a lot of stuff in it so you know i know like the world is is very amazing and i love the whole premise of these secret agents that use their mind and stuff It, it really is it's super interesting like, to me, but um, I think one of the yes, things, I'm sorry, 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 but like the um, the no, uh, no, no, no. one of the things about Second Two, which I like a lot too, is that like the team has grown and changed uh, as far as like people joining the company, and like there's so many talented, amazing people there, and a lot of them um, played Psychonauts and mm-hmm. were fans of the first game, so like it was what they could bring. They're bringing ideas of the things that they were fans of, the things that they liked, and what to expand, what to expand on. So it's fun right. to have people that. Uh, are, are bringing that to the table and, and it's like it's so fun to see like you know see it develop in that way as well yeah the fresh ideas that maybe they wish were in the game originally yeah. but never got a chance to and um yeah i mean i was watching again because i'm obsessed with double fine and tim and that whole that whole world but um i was watching one of the documentaries on the new psychonauts where they just basically did a retelling of like how the company went through that whole, you know, like the game was cancelled by Xbox and Tim was like up until the like the eleventh hour was looking mm-hmm. for someone to buy the company and help them, you know, well, not buy the company, but help fund mm-hmm. the game and get it out and um and the whole thing of like the guys retelling the story of like Tim like walking up to everybody and being like, mm. We've run out of money, there's nothing left. You guys I always remember that moment. Stuff. That was a very emotional Even moment. The- yeah, even telling the story then, like a lot of the guys were getting emotional, like just talking about it because it was it's a, probably still a very vivid memory in people's heads about like that struggle of you worked in the game for so long and then it felt like it was never going to come out, it was never going to see the light of day, and it was like you know, and Lee talks about it as well that he was cursed initially the, the first like five or six years of his career, like he worked mm-hmm. on all these things that never came out. So it's yep. a very real thing, and do you find that that's like? 
that's still I, something that's quite vivid in your memory because yeah. you were part of that. Well, the thing is, like, for me, like, it was, like, my first project that I ever worked on was at Lucas, at Lucas Learning was this, like, it was just a year of my life, but it was, like, this Star Wars game that they canceled, like, two weeks before it was done. And that was my first experience with, like, oh, something no. that I was so excited about that I was working on being canceled. And it was, like, the, my first mm-hmm. lesson in... Uh, and how the entertainment industry works. And and so when that was happening with, with Psychonauts, right. like I was, I mean, I was putting incredible hours in there. Like I was arriving at like seven in the morning and leaving at like 10 at night every day, just because like the morning and the wow. night, like in the evening, but when I could get my work done in the middle of the day, since I was art director on that one, it was like, I had to like be answering questions and doing these things all day. So it was just like, I was there constantly. So by the right. time we were kind of, were dropped, and it was starting to maybe not happen. I was ready to move on. I was fully emotionally detaching myself from the game. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to move to New York and start uh, to start fresh from what I've learned because this is what happens. Like, and and this is like something yeah. that happens all the time. Like, there's constantly projects. I mean, yeah. we just like were honestly very very lucky that we got picked up when we did and we could actually finish it. And then I had to, I had to like after. Yeah. that happened like i had already emotionally detached myself i was like mm, i'm done with this and so when that happened mm. when we were picked up again i was like oh fuck i have to like get back into it i have to like <laughs> somehow find the things i was yeah. excited about again so i had to like i had to like yeah. ignite my excitement and passion about it again which was it took it took a little bit and then but oh, then God. as when it finally came out i was like very very happy and proud of it i'm glad it i'm very glad it did you know but yeah there was a hilarious snippet though you were talking about in the the double adventure though when uh like the game came out and you were kind of so done with it because you'd spent so long in it and i think it was was it either you or tim's mom and you were like playing the game trying to get her past the part but you were just like so oh, detached man. from the game at that point you were like playing it playing it, was, it in zombie mode you were like ooh, just it was bad yeah straight that fight. was like right after psychonauts came out and like tim and eric Wolpaw, who was one of the writers on it he did the grumpy gamer and stuff like that mm-hmm. he um we went down to some, yeah. some show in San Jose or something, and we we, we stayed at my parents' house. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that night, my mm-hmm. mom was like, "Yeah, get us past this first part." And like we were playing it in silence. Like Eric and Tim and I were playing it in silence because we were <laughs> seeing all these bugs. We were constantly seeing bug after bug after bug. And oh, like, mm-hmm. oh frustrated and sad. My mom's all happy. Like, <laughs> oh great, thanks for getting me past that. We're like, mm-hmm, this is the worst. <laughs> I could not play it. I definitely feel like the worst feeling ever. Yeah, few years at least. After. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense though. I mean, because there's there probably is. I mean, as many happy memories, but just of as course. many sad memories about like thinking people that left the project mm-hmm. that you were friends with at the company, or like the whole cancellation thing. And I mean, like I watch E3 every year with a couple of mm-hmm. friends. It's like a tradition now. But you know, this year or even last year, sorry, we were really stoked that like you know Phil came out and talked about how Double Fine was basically mm-hmm. joining the Xbox family again. Um, but it was even held more hilarious how Tim done this like 30 second video <laughs> on YouTube where it was like like getting super emotional and it was all black and white and he was like, yeah, Xbox came to us and they wanted to give us a bunch mm-hmm. of money. <laughs> and we said yes. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it was weird because, you know, the whole the whole past thing of that, like, you know, how Xbox have treated them in the past. And I know it's a different company, it's a different game head, it's it's a whole different structure and whatever, but it was interesting to see that whole dynamic of them almost oh, going yeah, like full yeah. circle back to it is wild when yeah, it started. That happened yeah, like that. So I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it must be interesting for you as well because you were part of that original team, right? And I mean, I don't want to put you in a, a, a position where you have to talk about that and it might, you know, you might be saying things you don't want to say, but like, 
was there any initial thoughts about when you found out they were going back to Xbox? Was that something no, you were? No, it's fine. I mean, have mixed feelings or? Had, after that, we always had Double Fine. Always had a great relationship with Microsoft. After that, it wasn't like that. Like burned that bridge. It was just like right. we were doing stuff with Xbox and Microsoft, and it was like it was it was, it was fine. So, and I know right. that like people come and people go, mm-hmm. and from all the different companies, and so it's a yeah. Um, it was never that bad. It, did, it didn't surprise me. Well, I mean, I guess it surprised me in some ways, but it was also. Yeah. I mean, I was totally like Florida. I, I never thought that would be a thing where, not even that, I thought maybe Xbox weren't looking them in, in that light because they were an independent studio. They maybe wanted to keep them independent. But then bringing them back into the fold maybe probably gives them opportunities to make really super mm-hmm. unique games in the future past Psychonauts 2 coming out because I know that will be, you know, that's still an independent facility mm-hmm. because that was crowdfunded in, in part so that will still come out in that way but then i think they probably will look down the line five six years from now that they'll be making really mm-hmm. awesome games for them again so um which might be interesting because it might give them the opportunity to bring more people on or yeah. uh, you know look at different avenues like, before, they, like, so, like um, double fine became this advocate for ind- independent games and like to put out in, in such a way that was in starting like day of the devs and things that was like it was so exciting to see and it was like brought this community together i mean the community was already together i mean they're not responsible for bringing the community together but they fostered this kind of wonderful way of like yeah. putting these uh, the, all these games up into the limelight so you could see all these wonderful ideas that like people had that that wouldn't normally get that chance and i think that that's one thing that i think day of the devs yeah. is something that they're still going to do that's that's that i don't know if if you know about what do you know what day of the devs is I've heard about, yeah, I've saw it on their YouTube channel, the whole bringing independent developers towards mm-hmm. one point and showcasing their work. And it was almost like a like a kind of Penny Arcade right. Expo right. Packs kind of thing they were trying to run it's like a, just in a California. Small thing. So, it yeah. wasn't like a huge uh, conference or anything, but it's just like a way, a platform to bring a bunch of games in there and have everybody experience it together. And um, Yeah. And I think that's something that yeah. they're still going to do. I think that's something that Microsoft, sorry, they could tell, is like really excited about the independent development and stuff like that. So, which is why. Well, that's where some of the best ideas I feel have came from in games in the last mm-hmm. even 10 years. Like a lot of people talk about, you know, 2010 to 2020 was like the decade of independent studios where, you know, AAA had its time where these huge 50, 60, $150 million projects were running. But then, you know, the ones that Tim put together were a shame. I mean, especially when double fine adventure got funded initially that was like everywhere i can remember like just not being able to open a tab in like ign or any kind of game studio blog and they were talking about this kickstarter thing that had like blown up and was a different way now to fund games like he was like the poster child tim was the poster child for people who wanted games made but had never thought about crowdfunding and now it was mm-hmm. totally possible right this was this first mm-hmm. time they're properly done so immense amount of pressure but at the same time it was great because it it almost generated a whole new burst of hope that people could get something funded if they really wanted to because even at the time like you know he was like oh 300,000 mm-hmm. was an ambitious amount of money but then mm-hmm. to end with three million you know and then and then of course that whole journey was like it's its whole thing because yeah like you know you run out of money halfway through it you had to you know find more cash at the end to finish it and it came out in two parts but it was definitely I think a great way to do it and the fact that you weren't relying on studios you know like even at the end of it tim said you know are we going to be able to rely on studios you know not at all and we can do our own thing well at the moment no we still need that mm-hmm. generation of income but 
at least we've proved that you could do it, right? It was possible. It wasn't impossible. It wasn't something that could never yeah. be done. It I think was it's, done. I mean, so, the crowdfunding thing is it can be dangerous. Only, I mean, it's a great thing, but I think it's when when people kind of expect um, expect more when you when you have more money to make the thing, and you feel like you need to give them more. Like, oh, we're going to add this feature, add this, or whatever. You know, when like the life of a project, there's always like. Um, it seems like there's always a moment of renegotiating with the produ- with the publisher where you, where you like the like you're not going to make it you know and you need to renegotiate to get more money in order to do it like yeah. that's a normal part of game development whereas like when you have it with crowdfunding you you have the amount and that's the amount that you have to use and there's no getting more at, at the end when it's like such a normal thing and I think it sucks that that is something that people are like oh no you gotta use this like you know. Yeah, you're kind of like at the, the mercy of the, the backers, it, it seems like almost a, a detriment because, I mean, I know initially when he talked about, again, in interviews through the, the Double Fine Adventure blog, the, the, the kind of documentary that was happening at the same time, he was talking about how, you know, people were like, all right, so what's your idea? And he was like, "Not, you know, I didn't have an idea. I wanted to, you know, yeah. document the whole thing from start to finish. And people already thought I had this amazing idea just sitting waiting. He was like, no, I'm going to start write, writing it on the book and you guys would follow me. Um, but then people were like, "Oh, is this is there immense, this immense pressure on you to make this game now?" And he's like, "I kind of thought what people thought I'd done the rest of the time when I didn't have money." He's like, oh, "I'll open the bank account and look in the bank. Oh, there's no money. Maybe I'll fire everybody today." He's like, yeah. "That's yeah, pressure. Right. That's like the yeah. stuff that <laughs> keeps me up at night." But sitting, you know, writing books and like, "Oh, maybe there's a guy and a girl and he's got wings," and then he's like, comes into this amazing world. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. That's the part that is easiest. Dude, I for cannot him. believe so, how much how well um, he works under pressure. That, I would not yeah. be able to run a company like that. <laughs> crazy oh my god yeah i mean i think even to an extent like i mean i don't think he would trade it for mm-hmm. anything now i think he loves where he is but at the same time i think sometimes there's there's a an ignorance and bliss where you know you're working for a company where like somebody's scheduling your time somebody's paying your wage somebody's getting the work you know like you're just sitting there drawing you're just making your your drawings you're not worrying about paying a bill or or, or business meetings or development for studios like that's all stuff that's done in other places and i think that would definitely be me in the industry like if i ever get a job hopefully i will soon but <laughs> when i do get a job yeah i think i would i'd more be on the, the back end of trying to just let other people run a company and me just mm-hmm. contribute to it i think that would be a more comfortable place for me is that something you feel yeah, like I mean, I'd always is more your place like, or i mean if i was ever to be like in some sort of product like a play or like a a movie or something like that i would always love to be like a side character because you really just go nuts and like be crazy you don't have to like be any sort of lead yeah. thing and you could be really super creative with that and you can just kind of blow everybody away you're like oh my god <laughs> you like that that character just stole the show because there's no pressure on that character yeah there are no there's no there's, there's no small actors only small parts of the city so yeah especially because you're out in la that might be a thing but um but yeah no like i, I think it's interesting to see how Tim has navigated the last however many years trying to, you know, have that. I think the last couple of years have been interesting, especially because there's been a whole slew of work just based around mm. bringing back his old IPs. Right. Like, you know, there was the Grim Pandango remaster, mm-hmm. there was the Monkey Island remaster, there was the Full Throttle remaster, there was Day of the Technicals. So they were definitely like, for me as a fan, because, you know, when I met you, you know, I've got the huge Guybrush <laughs> yeah. tattoo on my forearm, on my right arm. So. Like, because uh, you were like, oh, Tim, I'd love that. But like, yes, those games when I was a child, like especially growing up, were the only source of like <laughs> friends I had or, 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 you know, interaction because I didn't have a lot of friends when I was younger. So I stayed in 
my, my bedroom and played point and click games and one of the first ones was monkey island the third one um which was the more kind of had the more animated feel to it it was definitely more kind of um illustrated than the yeah. first two games which were just kind of pixel based um initially when they first released and the whole like because guybrush had a voice at that point they had the, the guy who voiced them and everybody had a voice you know the whole it was like watching a cartoon you could interact with and that whole setting was great and then i found through that like tim's older work so you know like grim fandango came out at that point or was coming out and then of course full throttle mm-hmm. so these worlds were all things that i experienced very in depth as a kid and and just i, I felt like there were places i would love to get lost in again but um as double fine has kind of proven like those games are great for a niche market but it's definitely still not like the 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 norm i think the one of the companies that done that really well was telltale when they made like mm-hmm. The Walking Dead series and you know Wolf Among Us and all those kind of stories where they essentially as a point and click game or an interactive story, but then it's told or presented in a different way with those three mm-hmm. D stylized graphics that makes it more like mm-hmm. watching a TV show yeah. than a point and click game. Um, so I mean, like, yeah, those those are definitely niche worlds to get in. But I mean, did you have an affinity for those games like when you were working with That's them the or thing. before I, you worked I, with them? Or they like adventure games kind of came after my time. I remember like when I was young i was into atari and like and like text-based games and things Mm. like that like i think there's this game bard's tale that i was really excited about but it was like very very simple games and stuff so like like the whole like picking up items and doing stuff with like i think my mom was really excited about like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that was a text a text game that that she was really into that i played with her sometimes so that was like the only kind of that type of game that i was into but then uh later on i did get into uh uh, some adventure games here and there, like with my with my uh, uh, studio mates, my roommates and stuff. So, um, but I, I I think someone introduced me yeah. to um, Full Throttle in high school, but I didn't, um, which looked cool, but I didn't really uh, get fully into. It. I wasn't, so it was like it kind of like yeah. I, I I fell into games just because I didn't know what else to do after art school, you know, and I had some more. Yeah, well, that was interesting though because you talked about like going in for that interview for the background painter and like you drew all these characters because you hated backgrounds, but then I think mm-hmm. you eventually came oh, yeah. kind of love them in yeah, a sense. Yeah, you, I love telling the like the stories yeah. you could tell with backgrounds, especially like now that you can navigate through them. Like when I first started, it was around the time of Monkey Island, yeah. and so everything was like just map painting sort of things where you paint backgrounds and the characters would be just little animated like like uh, sprites that kind of walk around on top of it like color forms or something like that so it wasn't until later that you could actually get into cool yeah. kind of environments and you could like leave hints of uh of what came before when you're when you're like walking through um a scene and stuff like that in 3d and you could like like leave a campfire there or leave some items or, or something a stain on the wall or something that's like oh my god why was that there like what's happened before like who lived here like yeah what like the background can be such a wonderful character it's so fun Ugh yeah i think it's great as well the fact that with the tools being so readily available and if people can relatively draw well you could make these things in like two or three man teams like i think i just watched a documentary about supergiant um who are based out i think in la and the guys that made bastion and pyre and uh recently hades you know like these games that were made in teams of like 10 people like it's just incredible to see how far these games can be pushed with just like really super small teams because yeah, when you worked on like Psychonauts, the first game, I think you had like what 50, 80 people. There was like mm-hmm. quite a large team at the time. It was like a lot of people. And and the, but now, like I'm saying, you can do it with like a handful of people. You can do mm-hmm. it with five or six if they're really dedicated. So 
if people wanted to make, you know, like even if I wanted to make a point and click adventure game now, if I could draw relatively well and, you know, throw something in the Unreal, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can turn things around in, mm-hmm. you know, relatively short spaces of time. Is that. Is, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Is I'm that you still there? It's yeah. exciting. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yes, yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, is that uh is that something you think we'd want to do in the future as well? Be part of like your your process of growing as an artist that you want to sign make your own intellectual properties moving forward, like your own stories or your own you know, like rather than using somebody else's idea for a children's book, like mm-hmm. start oh, to yeah, generate definitely. your own worlds and characters. Yeah, I mean I've done that a couple of times, uh, and I have some projects I'm working on now. It's like that's kind of primarily what I'm very excited about. Right. Uh so yeah. <laughs> cool. That's something yeah cool there you go answer perfectly you already had the answer pre-made because you knew you were doing it already um but then is is that something also you think like it's definitely going to be initially your future just now is that the the children's book stuff would be more a priority Mm -hmm. than going back to doing more game stuff do you think i mean i'm not saying like never ever but do you think that maybe like you've had your time in games and you feel like it's somewhere like you wouldn't want to go back to necessarily because you've already kind of like that's been crossed no, off for you. I'd you don't totally really need to revisit it. that. I, that's the thing. That I, I mean, but I, I haven't even done oh, cool. like I've done some work in film and stuff and a little bit in cartoons, but I would love to see like tell stories with in right. cartoons and stuff as well. Like I would love to like figure out how to have moving things right. happen where you don't, the narrative isn't so much determined by the player, but it's like, I mean, you can kind of lay it out in different ways. I do love the experiences that you could have and different ways of storytelling like that. So I'm, I don't know, I'm open to all kinds of things. Right, right. now it's very exciting for me to go. I work in a, in a studio space uh, in Los Angeles that uh, with share the space with a number of other artists that have different disciplines that all work on really interesting things. Like, ah, okay. And a lot of them are like working on VR, some of them work on VR things and some augmented reality things. And like they're constantly putting their helmets mm. on. And it's it's oh. so fun. And then it's this other group, like <laughs> um, they're called Encyclopedia Picture. Like their videos are incredible. Like their music videos are incredible. And they do a lot of actual mm-hmm. like built things. Like they do a lot of animatronics sort of things like in, in costumes oh. that people wear. So it's fun to cool. see people experience these stories in all these different ways it's, uh, it's absolutely it's um, amazing have you tried any of the have, yeah. the vr painting stuff um yeah. initially? oh cool i've used uh i'm trying to think of what would have been the one you uh, used but quill no i didn't use, the, the, use one. I used the, the the um it's the the guys actually that left double fine and started the stuff with google that i think uh, um oh, oh. God, now i'm forgetting it because it's been so long I did a little residency at Google working yeah. with that with their paint program. Oh my god, it's horrible. Was it the oh god, Google? What would it be actually? I'm trying to think. It wouldn't be medium. It wouldn't be. Oh, yeah, I know I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to think it's of the horrible. what is a paint package that I'm 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 drawing a blank myself. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, I think that I have a VR headset as well, and I definitely feel like um, it's interesting the VR painting stuff because I feel like it can be more expressive than your general just painting or mm-hmm. or drawing on 2d canvases it's that things can come alive now especially with quill mm-hmm. like facebook's oh, basic octopus thing because quill has an yeah. oh tilt brush yeah tilt brush is awesome yeah um but uh but quill's good because in that i think tilt brush also now has it but they have animation tools in quill so um goro one of the guys i met at thu goro fujita like he done a whole beyond defense animation it was all about a little robot building wings to jump over mm-hmm. the, like a junkyard fence to get into the, the world um but he painted and built the things and animated the whole thing in one program and it was mm-hmm. incredible to see um 
And that's what I'm saying. That's great that these tools now exist where you can build these 2D animations or these animations that are pre-made and can be animated in one day. Like he does a thing mm-hmm. now. I'll send you his Instagram at one point, but every single day, because he's working, he works specifically now at Oculus, uh, doing work on this this program. But um, he does a, every single day, he does a 30 minute uh, sketch mm-hmm. with, the, with the Oculus and uh, mm-hmm. makes these little animations, these little three, four or five second cool. animations. And they're just incredible. Like even like a, like a robot on a swing or like a kid running down a street, like it's simple little things, but all done within just VR. Um, and I know he was pushing hard the Oculus Quest because that's a headset you can use without a computer. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing's built into the headset. So you don't have to have like a fancy computer setup. You just actually put the headset on and you can use it. Like and even if you're out in the street, like people were doing it, like they're painting, taking it to like artists <laughs> on the street and making them paint with the VR. Cause there's a, a spray, a spray paint game where you can oh. like spray paint on walls. So, um ah. so yeah like technology now is like ridiculous it's so crazy yeah. to see what people are doing um but exciting exciting stuff mm-hmm. because then it opens up all these possibilities for you know future projects and and even doing like i know mm-hmm. people are doing like art shows in vr but mm-hmm. like, like inviting people so if they're sitting around the world they can put their heads mm-hmm. on but all be in the same it. gallery looking Love at the same paintings. there's somebody at my um, studio that does that too she great. paints she paints uh vr fine art stuff and has a gallery shows like that oh wow yeah, the one thing that I've loved about VR is the fact that um, there's some of the galleries have put their whole, like, the, they've collected pictures and put their VR experience of the gallery. And, like, like museums around the world, mm. you can visit them just by putting the headset on. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So now that you've done the whole games, children's books, is there any kind of medium that you would want to tackle that you felt you haven't yet or would want to? Like, something that, like, you know, You've never thought of doing like something like maybe even not art related, like music wise or stop motion or um, Mm -hmm. acting or stand up. Is there anything that you feel like? I mean, there probably is a laundry list of stuff you want to do, but anything that's yeah, I mean, I'd love to do desire at the moment that you want to do stuff. I would love to do, I love to do stop motion actually. Yeah, that sounds great too. Or even puppets. I love to use puppets. I'd love to do something live, like a live thing of some sort, like a performance. But uh, puppets are so cool. I always remember that um that I was it forgetting Sarah Marshall the film with Jason Siegel years ago, and he done the whole Dracula oh, Van Helsing yeah. puppet oh, yeah. show at the end, with the yeah with the puppets. Mm-hmm. It was like a musical. It was really crazy. I was yeah. stuff stuff like that seems really interesting to do. But is that something like even Probably, a more theater yeah, production I mean, puppet thing that would be kind of cool as well for you do? Show or? To like a kids show or something. Into it. it'd be fun to like develop an environment. Uh, you know, where like you could be hanging out with like these puppets or creatures or whatever, and you can draw with them. Like, I was very inspired by mm-hmm. uh, Captain oh, God, what's the name of that guy? He's there's this dude that I grew up watching a show where he would like keep he would draw, keep adding to this like alien, uh, he'd add to this alien world and stuff, and he'd talk to you. Oh, Commander Mike, I think. All right, anyways. But I just loved, I just okay. loved like those drawing oh, shows, sure. and like you could hang out with them and and draw with them like that. Like, ugh, I would love to do something like that. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, come up with like there was a show we when we were I was just actually in Japan for my honeymoon just uh, recently, and um, we watched a lot of the Japanese oh, TV. Cool. And there's a show with a bunch of chairs, like a bunch of chair characters, like, and they're all just like hanging out with like different types all of right. chairs, and they have like. At eyes and stuff and every once in a while you, you'd see stop them in stop motion you'd see animated you'd see light all of a sudden you'd see live action just like a kid hanging out with a talking chair kind of like cherry in peewee's playhouse yeah. uh just wow. such a good idea. so things like that would be oh cool yeah. 
yeah, Japanese shows are yeah, some of the stuff they across there is just like I think it's stuff even in your world just imagination you could never think about actually doing. And then you watch those shows and you're mm-hmm. like, who came up with that idea? Like what was that person smoking when, yeah. <laughs> when they were like putting this down on paper? Because I've definitely been watched some like Japanese animes where I've been like, you know, even the old school stuff like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, like the the thought process of like how they constructed their worlds and villains, like it's it seems absolutely alien to us, but then they think of a different. There's a wild, uh, like I was looking at picture books and stuff, and there's like a graphic novel series that's very popular. This kid is like the butt detective or something, uh, where he's like his head. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, but it's like a butt head, and like he's. It was like popular. a yeah, like a book or a, yeah. I've I've definitely I'm trying to oh oh it was it was um there's a guy called his channel's called Abroad in Japan but his name's Chris Broad. He's an English guy that lives in Japan, and he has the book on his shelf because he was doing a recent video about yeah. like his weird Japanese bookshelf, and yeah, I saw that. And okay. but then it's stuff yeah. like yeah, like it's, it's just the create. It's like the, there's no idea across there that isn't like you know too far. It's like you know how, how can we make it even more crazy? Like I think that's the thing that appeals to that market is making it just absolutely bonkers. Which is so creative, which um, is like what I would love to strive for. It's like because that's like a kid probably came. It seems like a kid came up with the idea. Like yeah, this, this yeah. detective is is a butt for a head, and you're like, oh my gosh, can you get away with that, dude? It's kind of so naughty, but like kids love yeah. it, and you're like, oh god. Or even like Captain Underpants was a very popular book here, oh, yeah. and he went to do yeah. Dogman. Like that guy's one of the funniest like comic writers ever, but he's just the guy who wrote Underpants. But then that's interesting as well when you talk about like even I know I looked in for ages about you know working in Japan as like an animator for anime and stuff like that or manga, or, but those guys are like ridiculously underpaid. I mean, I mean, remember watching or seeing an article about um, people who work in really popular animes like Naruto and a couple of other shows across there back in the day, and they were getting something close to like a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. but they were working like sixty seven hour weeks. So it's like it's ridiculous that you know that kind of wage exists for somebody so talented and so dedicated to their craft. But then mm-hmm. of course, you know, you visit LA and you'll, you learn what a lot of the guys that work in Riot Games or Blizzard are on. And, you know, it's great because they get, you know, the, the wage they probably deserve, but then the comparison between East and West is like ridiculous. But then obviously there's also people I've seen recently who have worked on, you know, or studios that have worked on films or animations and they're getting paid absolute peanuts as well. And also getting laid off at the end of the project. Yeah, so that's a problem. Have you found that like mental health has been something that's been at the forefront of your career since you've been kind of in games way back in the day? Is it something now more you think about when you look back on the studios you were in, you know, is it something that you feel is an issue or was an issue then is still an issue now? Or Well, I think I, you grow you grow a little bit. I remember in the beginning days of Psychonauts, like we were, a lot of us were, we were all very young and like, didn't have families and everything. So, and there are a few people that had families and like, they were struggling against these crazy long hours. And, and like, I mean, we had a pretty no- notorious crunch that last year um, where like, after it was done, I felt like I didn't know how to like, uh, I felt like I just got out of prison, like, or like back from a war. <laughs> like I didn't know how to talk to people and go to parties and things and interact with people. So it was yeah. tough, but also just like balancing life i remember like being in san francisco at that time and like we started brutal legend and i just didn't want to be in san francisco and i i was just sad mm. all the time so it was like wanting to i would like be working nonstop at the studio and then coming home and working on my comics and my paintings for art shows like i was really overworking mm. myself you know and then early on being in 
playing music and being in bands. It's just like, wait, I don't know how I had so much time to do all those things. Mm. And like, as you grow older, I feel like there's no time to doing that stuff. I can't mm. imagine doing all that stuff, like having that youthful energy, but also that wasn't a good yeah. life balance. I would get be getting a lot of headaches and I would be like having a lot of body problems from all that. And then when I moved to New York and got away from it, I was able to start to balance my life a little bit, like be able to like kind of hang out with people and, and kind of take in culture and take in things and be working. I felt like my, my work would get better. It, it got better in the, when I started just having that balance in, in my life. And everything. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I mean, that's something that I'm very conscious of and conscious of having, especially not having like an office to work in when you're freelance. Um, you have to mm. kind of be disciplined. I, I certainly would not have been able to be freelance right out of college. I didn't have the discipline for it. So I learned how to have mm. that discipline, like a nine to five job to help me work and figure mm. that out at, um, at uh, Lucas and Double Fine. And then doing it on my own, I was like, okay, I, this is necessary for me to have a work day and have my weekends off, mm. you know, like for my sanity, like try to not work on weekends and kind of stop working in the eat, like at six or something like that. That was important for me to yeah. maintain you know um so now it's like but it's also like trying to figure out when the other thing for myself is like trying to figure out when you actually can work like when your golden hour of creativity is you know not pushing yourself like oh i have so much work to do i have to work from like morning till night nonstop. it's the only way that i can come up with ideas and stuff mm-hmm. i've I've, di- I've discovered that like the middle of the day i really ha- can't get anything done like i can't focus it's not a good time for me to do anything so it's I feel like from like 11 to three is when I do emails and more of my brainless business stuff. But like from mm. the morning, like the morning is my golden hour. And then like from like, like three or four to seven is my other golden hour where I just like can get a lot done in those little pockets of time. So like giving yourself those little bits of time that you know you could feel creative and letting yourself off the hook those other times can kind of help you like feel like more relaxed and like you can be creative and get your work done, at least for me. So those are the sorts of things that help me balance myself out. Yeah, I definitely. Even something you've said, there's really touched on something personal that's going on with me where, you know, I left, I left my career as an engineer, you know, in 2012. And then I went back to university to requalify as an artist. And I graduated in 2018, middle of 2018, and I've been trying to fill my time with freelance work and networking. Um, but the discipline to sit and do things all day, every day is hard for me, I think, because like you said, straight out of college, that would have been a struggle for you. But that's kind of what I'm facing just now. Like, you know, between side jobs and hustles, I'm trying to find that full-time gig. But mm-hmm. being disciplined enough to work in your art all the time is hard for me because I haven't had that studio experience nailed into me where you have that schedule that like you can understand, like now I need to work or now I don't need to work. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I have almost the opposite problem where I have so much free time. Mm. It's finding it hard to fill that productively right. with, with work. Yeah, totally. So, I think, I mean, and that's, I feel like I can only work with deadlines and it's hard to give yourself those deadlines. Like I remember like when I was in like, like the art collective and we were doing art shows or going or making mini comics and, and going to like comic book shows, like you want to go to those shows and bring something like having those be, um, deadlines where you're like, oh, I have to make a new comic or I have to make something to bring this show or else I don't have anything. Like those seem to be the only ways I can actually get stuff done. Because even now I struggle with like uh, trying to get pitch books to make for picture books and stuff because that's it's an open deadline. It's not something that like 
I work with a literary agent and like we, he kind of helps me try to establish deadlines for myself. But anytime any other projects come on, like that I have to do that there is a deadline, um, that will take precedent when with, you know, instead of the, the things that I really should be focusing on, which is like pitching my own books and these other things. And it's hard when you're, when there's, you know, when there's no real reason, you're, it's a soft deadline. <laughs> So, so from so it's it's hard to kind of give yourself like it is hard to give yourself project deadlines and stuff like that. But sometimes that's like that's why actually I started doing uh, I did an online comic when we were working at uh, on Psychonauts at Double Fine. I didn't we started this little online comic thing I double, uh, called Double Fine Action Comics, and that was something that like every morning I would generate these. I would do a little comic every for an hour each morning. Just so I could put it on on a regular basis and start like a regular posting thing, which I know that's a lot of people do with their web comics and with their art and with their Instagram, and it's a good way to kind of feel like I need to post something on a regular basis. So it's a good, yeah, you know, you know, gets you. I think Instagram's been instrumental in that for a lot of people. I think a lot of people I know have built careers. Um, one girl I went to university with, she was already set in her mind that she was going to work in comics. She didn't work in games or anything. Mm-hmm. But her Instagram presence is like she's built her own foundational following online. You know, when she posts stuff, it has thousands of likes because she's built that whole family or that whole community connective on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I even feel like Facebook, in a, an extent, used to be a place where a lot of artists would congregate and talk, mm-hmm. post their work. But now Instagram is more the thing that people are doing yeah. on a daily basis. Like it seems to be the more hub of creative, you know, posts yeah. and things that people release. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, are you quite active in Instagram as well? Do you, do you post regularly or? Yeah, I, I try to post fairly regularly. I have, I mean, I try to post the showdowns twice a week. That's like my one regular thing that I do. That's kind of taking the place of the action right. comics. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I try to post fairly regularly, but it's it's tough when I have big projects and things that I'm trying to do. Like, um, and also yeah. I feel like I'm missing out when I'm not like reading, checking out the stories and like things like that. Like like i'm missing out on what's happening i know it's the fear of missing out like it's this <laughs> it's, it's weird because we're like this generation to grow up with the internet and like a lot of the problems we're finding firsthand the stuff that you can't really categorize or measure because it's never existed before mm-hmm. so a lot of people who are experiencing you know like you know formal like fear of missing out or you know they've got a lot of mental issues now with kids for body image because of social media and it's stuff that we just never had because it never was a mm-hmm. thing so it's weird to see all these new i wouldn't say diseases but these conditions especially mental health conditions that come out and i think the whole comparison thing with body image is similar to comparison with art because i mean i love art station it is a great tool for promoting and finding artists for the industry Mm -hmm. but when i go to art station to try and get inspired you sometimes look at someone's incredible work and be like well it's no my work fuck i feel horrible i think everyone does that yeah yeah and even at the top end like i know people who work in or have worked in massive studios and huge projects and will look at someone's work and like oh my god it's so good like i wish my work was like that but then they have this whole catalog of work that's already incredible and you know i kind of i don't hate it but like i've kind of learned as i've grown into being an artist over the last couple of years that you're almost setting yourself up for a perpetual life of disappointment because you're always comparing your work to other people's. Yeah. And I think it's the only way that lessens is that you try to eventually use that inspiration. Well, try to use it as inspiration. You try to look at someone's yeah. work and be like, 
that's great. They've done something really awesome. How can I implement that into exactly. my work and make that part of my pipeline? Exactly. So. exactly. I mean, you have to be able to, you can't be just sitting. I mean, I guess you can be an artist and just like say, oh man, my work is great. And just sit there and just enjoy making your art all the time and not grow. Maybe. I mean, I feel like part of it, it's, it's like kind of growing stuff. Like I've, once you start feeling stagnant, you have to start trying to explore new things. And I mean, I've, I've been feeling pretty stagnant with what I've been doing. So like, I, I always want to kind of, try other things like collage and other types of mediums and things, but it's, it's hard when you have jobs and, and things you got to work on. Like, yeah, try right. to Cause you talked about that, right? You talked about how like watercolor for you was like an epiphany moment, like mm-hmm. using that for the first time was a whole experience in itself. Mm-hmm. Like, have you had that recently with any other mediums? Or? <laughs> no, see, that's the problem. I, I had that so long ago and that was an epiphany for me. And like, I just kind of, I need to explore other things and get other epiphanies <laughs> because I mean, anytime I tried to apply something it's like, Oh, I'm going to try these new techniques or these new things for this next project. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I'm terrible at it. And like, it's, it sucks when you get to a certain point in, in your career, like in your age where you're like, Ooh, I, it's a bad feeling to just suck at something for a while. But in order to do new things, you have to suck for a while and then you can get over it and you can take things from it and you can learn from it. So, but it's hard to find time to do it. You know, you can't, when you have like an assignment, you're like, "Oh, this is isn't the right time because it's gonna, I can't suck on this assignment." So. I know you feel almost like I think it's harder when I was initially getting in the industry in 2016. I started going to networking events, and you were sitting at these talks where people had done like you know a million projects and had you know five or six on the go at one time, and were also making a short movie and making their own art book, and you just like sit there like what am i doing because like, it must be something i'm doing wrong because like you know they're doing all this amazing stuff and i should be doing it too and then that's where the comparison yeah. comes in because you know people are leading these lives where they're doing like all this work plus all this stuff on the side that personal stuff you feel like you're not doing enough so you want to try and emulate that but then of course maybe that's not for you or you want to because for the amount of people i've met in the industry that are like you know the standout guys who do these incredible things and do talks and present these amazing things there's like a million other people in the industry that are just the 95 guys you know who make something for a game and a studio then go home and switch off and they don't really think much about the industry mm-hmm. um and i think it was finding that happy medium in between you know but um yeah it's definitely a, a thing because obviously if you were to double fine you know at that time you were there you would have known people that were like not only working on that stuff but all, and then you said it yourself like when you were doing you know your band and then you're doing your comics at night and stuff for galleries like um i don't know what that is you know you're talking about capturing that youthful energy but maybe it's when you're older you find that you maybe want to take a bit more time for yourself i think when you're younger you don't really care if you get burnt out or a bit tired because you're at least you're having fun so yeah maybe it's about finding the fun again and you're working on that's maybe what it is and but. the thing is like comparing other people like, like the other reason why it's like just not a good idea is because you really don't know what's going on with them you don't know what's going on with anyone so it's like even even if you see people that are going doing these talks and they seem very successful everything's going great you have no idea the torment that they're going through like they they, they're like oh man they're living the life this is like they've got it made but like you have no idea what's happening with them like they they could be having an absolute horrible time but like you put on a certain face and you put on you know you see the best parts of people's lives on instagram and stuff like it's just not it's not healthy to like think that it's hard to not think that way to not just think they're living a perfect life but in some ways it's comforting that to know that like they have their own struggles that are just different and not yeah you know (laughs) 
Yeah, it's the same with social media, I think, with, with celebrities. When you look at all these guys who act in these movies and put on these personas, but then well, a lot of their personal accounts have these things where, like, you know, um, you know, they won't be wearing all the, the dressed-up gear and have their hair all styled, and they'll be sitting with their family doing something really, you know, low-key. So you get to see both sides of them where they're, like, they're working super hard, but they also have this life where they get to chill and go on holidays with their family. So, like, yeah, there's... Even some of the guys I know who are in the industry who are making, like, crazy amounts of work, you know, some of them you know, won't have a partner or any family, so they don't really have to fill their own time. Or, you know, some of them will have a family, but then maybe they're struggling at certain parts because, you know, they're trying to find that work-life balance. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it exists in everything that you do. So, yeah, man. So um, that kind of wraps that up because uh, I don't want to keep you all day. You have you have to do other things with your life, which includes going and making these um, awesome paintings and artwork for for everybody and anybody with all these deadlines. So um, I just want to say thanks for coming on, Scott, and talking to me about art and your life. Um, it's been really great. It's been my pleasure, man. My incredible pleasure. I love talking to you. That's great. Oh, it's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, we'll maybe get you back on at one point or, or later down the line and we can maybe do some more stuff with with the the, the community but um yeah i hope you have a a, an awesome day whatever you're doing and you uh, You too um thanks everybody who's listened to the podcast um sorry for the kind of back and forth but yeah speaking to people in la is always a challenge but uh yeah we'll we'll have more episodes coming up uh so make sure you subscribe and share this where you can and if any comments or anything for scott leave them in the comments section and uh, it'll get back to you at one point and uh yeah thanks everybody thanks scott thank you see you guys